Oh my goodness, I am so glad to be here. I have had this weekend circled on the uh, calendar for a long time, and uh, I, I was at Hills Church probably a couple years back. Y'all look a little different now. Oh my goodness, I, I, God is doing something. I think God deserves some praise. God is doing something at Hills Church. Yeah, it's this kind of... Uh, this kind of movement and momentum does not happen everywhere, and you should be thanking God that you get to be a part of this, uh, and also, so it's biblical to do that. It's also biblical to honor those in leadership, and um, I, I'm so um, with a kind of a, I guess, a spiritual dad type of thing, but I am so proud of what God is doing through your pastors, and it is very biblical and fitting to show them honor and uh, and to uh, um, be praying for them. And let me let me just tell you this: in the church world, a a building program like you guys have just gone through uh, puts a heavy tax and burden on leadership. And so I want you to ramp up the prayers, um, ramp up the appreciation for Pastor Daryl and, and Jen and the, the whole ministry team. And, and I think it would be fitting if, one, if we just kind of show some appreciation for their leadership and um, <laughs> amen. Uh, Pastor Daryl and Jen have been gone from uh, they, they served with me for years and years and they've been now gone for like 15 years. And I'm gonna tell you like all the time we still talk about them. They've left a legacy and an impact on us. He's got a, he's got a tons of, of skill set and giftedness as a leader and creativity. And, uh, but the thing I think that stands out the most is he, he, he loves God and he loves people and that'll go a long way in church leadership. And so be thankful for a pastor who loves God and loves people. I'm so honored to uh, get to team up. I'm, I'm having so much fun today. I'm thinking about coming back next week. I just I don't know how my church is going to feel about it, but I'm going to do a little streak and see how many weeks I can be here. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Numbers chapter 11. Why don't you turn on your Bible and go to Numbers chapter 11. Uh, if anybody has uh, a good old-fashioned Bible on pages, that's what the real Christians hold. Uh, I'm just kidding. And uh, no, but it's uh, Numbers. I think it's like, it's there at the beginning. It's in the, old, I'm going Old Testament on you today. Uh, numbers chapter 21. And if you don't have a copy of God's word today, it'll be up on the screens behind me. Numbers chapter 21, gonna read verses four through nine. And uh, look at this, this very, very cool story and narrative. Um, chapter 21 of Numbers Verses four through nine says this in the New International Version. They traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way and they spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us out, up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. So then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Of course he did. I mean, we saw that coming. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned, we spoke against the Lord, we spoke against you. So pray, Moses, pray that the Lord would take the snakes away. So Moses prayed for the people. 
The Lord said to Moses, okay, Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. See, the unpredictable story here. Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten by one of these snakes can look at the snake on the pole and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. I'm gonna preach a message that I just title The Gift of the Gospel. And you may not think that the book of Numbers would be the place to go for the gospel, but I promise that the elements of the gospel, of everybody's gospel story is found here in Numbers 21. Will you pray with me real quick? We're just gonna pray, say, God, speak to us um, and uh, give us ears to hear. So pray, pray with me if you would. Father, in Jesus' name, I just, I thank you, God, for your word. I pray a fresh anointing, a prophetic anointing on it. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Every time I read this story uh, in Numbers 21, I think back to an incident that happened in my family uh, when my kids were younger. I, I had five kids, all girls, believe it or not, except for our four boys. And so um, my, my, daughter, my daughter and her four brothers were out in the backyard playing. I was actually out of town speaking that weekend. I heard about this kind of via phone call when it all started to uh, kind of go down. But uh, let me tell you about Jonah, one of my sons. He was probably 10 or 11 at the time, and um, he's our fourth youngest. And, um, and uh, uh, he was always the kid that, like, didn't mind picking up bugs. And, you know, if a lizard was in the house, go Jonah, and they'd, they'd all yell at Jonah, and he'd come and grab it. So he's kind of that kid growing up. Well, they were playing in the backyard, and they come across a snake, and it was back on our back patio. And I think I have a, the picture of the snake right there. That's, there he was. He was on our back patio. At some point, he, he coils up in a, in a circle. And the snake's like that. And so um, what everybody decided to do was like, Jonah, come here. There's a snake on the backyard, back on the back patio. So uh, Jonah, they, he gets back there. And they're like, Jonah, touch it. And so then Jonah reaches out and he touches it. That's Jonah's... <laughs> Did you guys think it was bigger? Hey, don't judge a book by its cover, all right? So he reaches out and he, and he touches it. And, uh, um, and somebody might go, well, now hold on. Is this, is this reenactment or what? No, 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 this was documented, okay? Uh, Jonah's sister was documenting the whole thing. So they, they, so he reaches out, uh, he touches it. And then they're like, Jonah, pick up the snake. So then he goes to pick up the snake. I think it's the... Maybe the next picture, yeah. There, again, that looks like a recreation. No, 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 his, his sister's documenting the whole thing. So he's reaching to pick up the snake. When he reaches to pick it up, the snake bites him in the finger. And you can just, there's the beginning of the, of the snake bite. And uh, so we're not, no, I don't think anybody at that point is too worried about it. My wife's thinking, oh, it's probably just, you know, whatever, a little snake. And then a few minutes later, the finger gets bruised starts to look like that. Still nobody's thinking too much about it until his finger got like this. And uh, <laughs> the, 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 the venom had gotten into his bloodstream, as you can see, and affected his brain here. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, the fingers swelled up so bad that we started getting a little bit concerned about it. My, one of my other sons had a, had a friend that... Uh, was at the house and that friend's mom came to pick him up, her son. She happened to be an emergency room doctor. 
So my wife says, oh, Jonah got bit by this snake. And when she sees uh, Jonah's finger, she says, you need to get him to the emergency room immediately. And uh, she said, bring the snake with you. And when I heard about that part, I was like, whose idea was that? Like, <laughs> go pick up the snake that just bit him that we're rushing him to the hospital for? Like, is that the snake's idea for us to go pick him up? Like, so they did. He was docile enough or dead enough that they were able to actually take the snake to, they get to the emergency room. And uh, when the doctors see what kind of snake it was, it, it, it was a pygmy rattlesnake. And they're very, very small, but their venom is way more potent than a regular rattlesnake. And so just a little bit of venom can do a, a massive amount of damage. So literally a team of doctors in his hospital, my wife at this point is freaking out. That's when I'm kind of finding out I'm, I'm keeping up with this stuff via phone. I'm, I'm Googling pygmy rattlesnake bites and getting all kinds of, like don't go to Google when stuff's going down because you'll, I mean, all kinds of crazy stories of people losing arms and the, the people saying it's the worst pain I've ever had in my life. And uh, so, man, I'm, I'm praying for, for Jonah and uh, uh, just, just to let you know, he, he healed. Um, he, he does have some superpowers now, so that's awesome. Um, <laughs> But uh, he healed, he's fine, he's grown, he's married. Um, but when I think back to that story, the thing is, is when that happened, when that snake bit him, when we realized the seriousness and the severity of that moment, of his condition, we did not just sit back and go, well, figure it out then. You got yourself into this mess, you can get yourself out of this mess. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, this is what happens when you play around. Like, we didn't do that. No, when we realized the seriousness of this, we did everything we knew how to do to get him healed and whole. We stepped in, as anybody, as any parent would have done in that situation. Well, in Numbers chapter 21, there's also a snake bite. It gets really, really serious. It's, people are dying over these snake bites. And so some people decide we've got to do something about this. And in this passage of scripture, it's really a story about the gospel. It's a story that points to the good news, that points to the gospel. The gospel is man's journey into right standing with God. Everyone has a gospel story, uh, or you're somewhere on this gospel journey uh, that we'll see in this path. All the pillars of a journey towards right standing with God are found in Numbers chapter 21. I wanna go through those real quick. Is that all right if we go through those? Somebody, somebody give me an amen if that's okay. All right, let's do this. Um, the first step of this gospel story, this gospel journey, uh, like the first pillar kind of in everybody's uh, journey towards right standing uh, position with God. The first one was rebellion. And uh, be praying for me today, rebellion, because I'm, I, it's not easy being up here trying to do a spelling bee in front of everybody, all right? So uh, pray for wisdom. But I think I got that right, rebellion. It starts with rebellion, as it does with all of us. It started with rebellion for them, Look at verse four and five we read a moment ago. The people grew impatient on the way and they spoke against God. They spoke against Moses. They said, why'd you bring us up out of Egypt to die? They knew God did not bring them up out of Egypt to die. But this is what rebellion does. Rebellion kind of changes your view of your surroundings and of your situation. So they're full in rebellion. They're like, you brought us here to die. There's no bread. There's no water. We detest this miserable food. Guess what? Miserable food they're talking about. That was manna from heaven, manna from God, God providing them food. And they're going, we hate your food. 
We don't have anything we want. You brought us here to die. Full-blown rebellion. If you read back a little bit in this um, in these chapter, the people of Israel coming out of a huge win where God had come through and it was awesome and he was God and he was doing miracles and yet just a few seconds later, it just seemed so natural for them not to be in full rebellion against God. How did rebellion come so naturally to them? The same rebellion comes naturally to us. We have this thing in us called a sinful nature. And that, that's why rebellion sometimes seems natural to us. Rebellion against certainly our parents or against authority. A lot of us, man, we can do that like without even trying, right? It comes very natural. But we all have rebelled against God. And normally, as was for them, look at what caused their rebellion. Their rebellion is caused by lack. So they started to focus on what they don't have. And most people in their rebellion against God, it starts with lack. They start looking around and going, look at the thrill that that person has. Look at the coping mechanism that that person gets. Look at the, look at the fun that they have and look at the thrill. Look at the excitement that they get to live under. Look at the experimentation that they get to do. And we start to feel like we are in lack. God's words got me staying in this little narrow path. I'm lacking what everybody's experiencing. and It'll bring me into rebellion as it did with them. So rebellion's the first part of everybody's kind of gospel story. When, when lack gets leveraged in our life, it's going to lead us uh, most often to rebellion. The second uh, like component or, or pillar in, in the, this gospel story and in all of our gospel stories is this. It's result. Everybody say result. So result is the result of the rebellion. For these people in Numbers 21, for the Israelites, the result of their rebellion were these snakes. Verse six, after they rebelled, <laughs> the Lord sent venomous snakes among them and bit the people and many Israelites died. That was a direct result of their rebellion. I didn't see that coming. The first time I read that story, didn't see that coming. God sent venomous snakes. Seems pretty hardcore. There's always though result of rebellion. Another phrase for that that some of us have heard, consequences of sin. We've heard that phrase before, same as result of rebellion. Romans 6, 23 talks about the result of rebellion or the consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. There's always a consequence to our sin. That's, that's part of the gospel story. There's always a result to our rebellion. Wages of sin is death. Um, and we can look at these results of rebellion and we go, man, God sent venomous snakes. And we can go, God, why were you so mean to them? You ever done that when you read the Old Testament? You're like, man, that Old Testament God was way meaner than the New Testament God. It's, no, it's the same God. So we can look at a story like this and go, why, why God, why did you send these venomous, venomous snakes to them? We can look at it and go, that must be God's meanness. No, 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 it's not God's meanness, it's God's mercy. Because of what the result will lead us to. We'll get to that in just a moment, but when we experience the result of our rebellion, it motivates us to change. Like, there's this one spot in my office where one door would open this way and there was another door inside this kind of closet bathroom and it opens this way 
And when I had my hand one time on the side of that door and when I pushed it, it caught that other door just right. And as those two doors kind of opened together, it just pinched my fingers so bad. And so I was kind of in a hurry and it just like, I mean, I felt like my finger was getting just cut off and it hurt, I can't tell you, it hurt so bad. I was like crying. I was almost losing my salvation, but I didn't. I mean, you'll be glad to know I didn't. You, did you say bad words? No. Did you think, I don't want to talk about it. It just hurt so, it hurt so bad. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. That was like two, three years ago when that happened. I, I literally have never opened that door the same way again. The result caused a change in my life. We can look at those snakes and go, well, man, was that the meanness of God? It wasn't. It was the mercy of God because result gets us to the next step in our journey, which is repentance. Number four, repentance. Pray for me, guys. I need to spell these right. Repentance. Let's look at how it got to repentance for uh, the children of Israel. Verse seven, the people came to Moses and they said, Moses, turns out (laughs) we sinned. Like there's all these snakes and everybody's dying. We feel really different now. Um, we spoke against the Lord. We spoke against you. Would you pray to the Lord that the, he would take the snakes away from us? So Moses prayed for the people. Now, a couple of verses ago, these people seemed very far from God. These people seemed like they were going a whole different direction where you brought us out here to die. We don't like your food. We don't like your leadership. We are done. And now a few verses, just a, a couple of verses later, they're going, hey, we, we were wrong. We'd like to repent. We'd like to say sorry. Listen, for us today, it's important we understand this. A lot of times those that seem furthest away from God are not as far away as you think they are. Sometimes those that are furthest away of God from God are the ones that are experiencing result the most. And what does result do? It drives you to repentance. You start to experience the result of your sin. You want something to be done. You want something to be different. That's why when we are praying for those in our life that are lost, it's important that you don't pray or, or try to uh, make someone's life like perfect and easy. No, when I'm praying for somebody that's lost, I'm saying, God, let there be a hedge of thorns around their life. God, may they feel the full result of their rebellion because the full result of their rebellion will lead them to repentance. I like the way 2 Corinthians chapter seven says it. 2 Corinthians seven says, godly sorrow brings repentance. When I'm feeling the result, the godly sorrow will bring repentance, which leads to salvation with no, and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, well, that just brings death. But there is a, there is a godly version of sorrow. So don't stop praying for those that are experiencing the result of their sin. Don't stop believing. Don't, don't look at people and go, well, they're so far away from God. I'll say no for them. Don't say no for anybody because it's the result of sin. We're kind of seeing that, that nationally a little bit. That there is a bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a bend towards repentance. Nationally, there's a bit of a, of, of a shift towards um, kind of getting right with God. Um, Barna did a study of 2,000 uh, U.S. adults not even a year ago. 
found that three out of four say they want to grow spiritually. Not Christians, I'm talking about Americans. Three out of four say they want to grow spiritually. Even a higher percentage, 77% said they believe in a higher power. More than half of the people surveyed said they're more open to God now than they were before the pandemic. Well, what would cause people to start to think that when they start to experience the results, uh, the results of their rebellion, it'll lead them to repentance? And then we go to the, to the last one, number five. We've got rebellion, we've got result, and then result leads to repentance, and repentance leads to redemption. Redemption. Boom. 100% on my spelling test. Verse eight, this is what their redemption looked like. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole. I, nobody saw this one coming. Like, this is gonna be God's answer for the redemption. A snake on a pole. I thought God was kind of against the whole graven image thing, but yet God goes for it here. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. And he says, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anybody that does get bit can look at the snake and they'll live. Now, that's not the idea of redemption that the children of Israel had. I don't know if you remember. They said, Moses, will you pray that the Lord takes the snakes away? God says, I'm not gonna redeem the way you want me to redeem. I'll redeem the way I want to redeem. You want to live in a land without snakes. We're gonna leave the snakes there, but if anybody gets bit, I'll make sure you can be healed and whole. See, like we do the same thing. Sometimes we look around and go, why does there have to be evil in the world? Why does there have to be bad stuff? Um, maybe those questions are too high for us, but God doesn't necessarily take all of that away from us. What God says is, if you'll keep my, your eyes on me, you'll be able to sustain. You won't be tempted with anything beyond what you can bear. And so sometimes we want redemption our way. They certainly wanted redemption their way, but redemption came God's way. So Moses makes a bronze snake, verse nine says, puts it up on the pole. And when anyone was bitten by the snake at the bronze snake, they looked at it and they lived. So why did God choose this form of redemption? The snake on the pole. I think one of the reasons why is because of what it pointed to. Um, watch this. The thing that brought the cure was shaped in the same fashion as the thing which brought the pain. The thing which brought the, uh, the redemption is the same. It brought deliverance and it's shaped the same way as the thing that brought the damage. Okay. That which it's like first Adam, that's Adam, he, he, Adam and Eve, they bring sin into the world. That's first Adam. And Jesus is referred to as second Adam, shaped in the same likeness as first Adam. Though Jesus knew no sin, what's he become? He becomes sin for us. Second Corinthians 5, 20, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. This this uh, snake, and we'll show it to you even, even in a greater way in just a moment, this, this snake on a pole actually points to Jesus. And I want you to, to realize this, that redemption can come so no, matter, no matter how broken, no matter how lost, no matter how critical our world becomes of, of the church, no matter how careless people become, no matter how confused 
people become, we still have to believe in redemption. See, the, the enemy wants the church to just settle in right here and go, well, this is all the world can ever experience. And we settle for this instead of going, no, this is going to lead to this and this is going to lead to that, to redemption. And so um, that's the story of the gospel. And I did leave out one, uh, one component, one element of it. I did it on purpose. I know some of you have been freaked out ever since I went from two to four. <laughs> Just relax. It's going to be all right. It was on purpose. Man, I saw everybody just tense up. thought we were going to have to get some defibrillators in here or something there for a second. All right, uh, we're going to go. This is number three. From rebellion to result to reconciliation. Reconciliation to repentance to redemption. That's the bridge that gets us from here to here. Let's look what reconciliation looked like for the children of Israel under number three. The people came to Moses. The people came to Moses. They didn't know how to go to God. They came to Moses. We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord. So Moses prayed. Moses prayed for the people. Moses went to God for the people. Moses made a bronze snake. We know who they were getting. We could kind of call it this way, a reconciler. That's what we, we needed in this story, a reconciler. Now, we know who they were getting reconciled to. Okay, who were they getting reconciled to? To God. They were getting reconciled to God. But who were they getting reconciled by? By Moses. Moses was getting his people to be reconciled to God. That's the reconciliation component of this. That's the reconciler was Moses. So for them, it was to God by Moses Who's the reconciler today, though? For like everybody out there in this city who's, who's experiencing the result of their rebellion, who's the reconciler now? All right, I heard somebody say Jesus. And usually Jesus is the right answer in church, all right? Like anytime you, anybody ever asks a question, except in this case, all right? No, Jesus is who we are reconciling them to, but the reconciled by... You. <laughs> no, we're good. We're done. I mean, you can do whatever. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I literally, when I wrote you and that happened, I wasn't seeing the thing fall. And I thought you guys were that amazed with that point. I was like, man, I am killing. And it's because I pushed it down. My bad. We actually made so many jokes about whether that was going to stay up today or not, and it almost made it. You're the reconciler. I'll show it to you in the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all of this is a gift from God. The gift of the gospel. That's what, we just, that's what we've been talking about. All of it's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Watch this. Verse 18, and God get, has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Who are the reconcilers? God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Let that sink in for a second. We're Christ's ambassadors. When you go to the restaurant this afternoon, you're not just going in your name. You are being sent there representing Christ. You go to work tomorrow, you're not just, you're not just rolling into work. You're sent there to represent Christ. When you go to school tomorrow, you're not just rolling in there and trying to be not late for first period or whatever. Like, no, you're, you're sent there by God to be reconcilers because there are people who are experiencing the rebellion and the result, and they need somebody That's why we have relationship with people that don't believe like we believe. That's why we have relationship with people that have not yet found Christ because we can be the reconcilers. That's why we pray for those that are in rebellion and results. We're accepting this call of God. We're Christ ambassadors. God is, it goes on to say, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is, This is the real gift of the gospel because it's not just a gospel that saves you, but it's a gospel that sends you as well. That's the full gospel. Some of us have maybe experienced like uh, like salvation and we go, man, I don't know. Is is there more? Is there something more? Yeah, it's it's the sending power of the gospel as well. That there are people that are currently lost in the result of their rebellion and they don't know where to go. And so for Moses, when he's experiencing those people, he holds up this pole with a snake on it. We go, why this snake? Well, he said it pointed to something. The, 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 the top of that pole might as well have been a banner that said Jesus. That's how much it was pointing to the gospel. That banner might as well said Jesus. The most the most probably well-known verse in all the Bible. If anybody knows one verse, it's usually this one. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But it starts with a bit of a transition, a bit of a preposition, like for God so loved. It begs us to go back for context. It begs us to go back a couple verses, but we usually don't. It's, it's hinting towards, hey, but look what comes before. Guess what comes before John 3, 16. If somebody goes, where's the gospel in the Bible? John 3, 16. Guess what comes in John 3, 14. John 3, 15. Look at it. As Moses. This is, this is the book of John. The gospel of John. Chapter 3, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him would have eternal life for God so loved the world. So I guess I would leave you with this. What message is at the top of the pole in your life written on your banner? Does it say Jesus? Are you a reconciler? Because some of us, we have all kinds of other messaging in our life. Some of it's about self, man. We're just promoting ourselves and get me talking about me. I can talk all day long. Like some of us, that's that's just, some of us, it might be our our political bend. Man, we want to just talk about that all the time. Nothing wrong wrong with with, with being into some of this stuff, but that's not the message of my life. 
For some of us, it might be uh, some other social issue or some, uh, you know, some sort of biblical loophole that I'm gonna spend all my energy on. Or maybe it's my interests and my passions or the sports that I play or the sports that I That's not the banner over my life. I'm called for the banner over my life. As Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw people. That's why God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. How did people get from the result, the rebellion, the result? How did they get to repentance and redemption? By having a reconciler in their life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and you are fully caught more on that left side of the whiteboard. The rebellion, the result of the rebellion. And maybe today I could kind of step in and act as a bit of a reconciler and just go, hey, we just showed you the gospel. We just showed you how you get there. It's believing on Jesus. And if that's you, I I just wanna pray for really everybody in this room, but if you need to make a commitment to Christ today, I want you to do it as I, as I just lead you in a prayer. I don't, I don't have a magical phrase that gets us access to heaven. That's not what this is, but I'm just gonna help you articulate the belief in your heart that you have to believe on who Jesus is and what he did for you, that he died in your place, that he became your sin, fashioned in the likeness of man. Let's pray together. Would you pray this out loud with me? Say, Jesus... I ask you now to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me. Lord, I believe on you. I make you the direction of my life, the focus of my life. I leave my past to follow you in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Father, I take a moment right now and I pray for each one of these. We all have people in our life that are feeling the results of a life that's rebellious against God. And I pray that maybe over these next few days, few weeks, few months, that there would come upon us a spirit of reconciliation like nothing we've ever experienced before. Give us insight, give us passion, open doors for us to be reconcilers for other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.